consider each meal a celebration. Time to celebrate being together and celebrate being blessed to have food and celebrate all the bountiful blessings God has provided. Opportuno, episode 23, Eat, Drink, and Be Happy. Two things I am sure of is that all humans must eat in order to stay alive and that humans want to be happy. There is even a World Happy Day celebrated February 11 of each year. Seeking happiness is not limited to just one location or culture. The desire to be happy is found in all cultures all over the world. Edward F. Diener, spelled D-I-E-N-E-R, professor of psychology and Author, also known as Dr. Happiness, has studied happiness for over 30 years. Edward Diener and his colleagues carried out a cross-cultural study around the world in places like Turkey, China, and Brazil, and found that, on average, the importance of being happy is more important than other goals, like making money, falling in love, and having good looks. In this podcast episode, I will be focusing primarily on the importance that food has in the relationships of people. It's hard to put into words the major impact in our lives and the major impact in the course of past, present, and future world events that materializes as a direct result of people uniting in farming, food preparation, and dining together. You will get close to that feeling of the importance of eating together by simply remembering wonderful, leisurely dining experiences with friends, family, and associates. Where did we get this saying, eat, drink, and be merry? The phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, is in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, verse 15, and in the book of Luke, Chapter 12, verse 19. The book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 19, reads as follows. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. End of quote. 
This verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 19, is a portion of a parable told by Jesus. The following is read from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21, which is commonly known as the parable of the rich fool. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. End of quote. This parable by Jesus, commonly known as the parable of the rich fool, teaches us many things and is a great example of what our lives should not be. Our focus should not be on greedily hoarding our possessions for a life of ease. Also, it is great to know that our life is not comprised or judged by what we possess. Living in a capitalistic society sometimes gives people the mistaken mindset that who they are is a factor of the quantity of money and material possessions they own. Also, that they should lay up treasures on earth rather than in heaven. The farmer in this parable thought he had much time to live on this earth to enjoy his treasure. We should all live in the moment, never counting on tomorrow, and know we need to give and help others today the best we can with our blessings in order to be a good steward of our earthly possessions during our time on this earth. 
Once I heard a story of someone that gave a large amount of money to a good cause. At a later date, after giving the money away through a series of events, they lost their money. Someone said to them something like, Now that you lost your money, I guess you are sorry you gave all that money away. Their answer was, No, I am glad I gave the money when I did, because if I wanted to give the money away now, I would not have it to give. That is similar to why we should be a blessing to others now, without delay, with whatever possessions God has allowed us to be a steward of, and lay up our treasures in heaven rather than on earth. Once our earthly life is over, we will not have the opportunities we have now to give and be a blessing to others. Solomon, the wise king of the kingdom of Israel and Judah, advises in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 1, the following, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. End of quote. Just imagine if the farmer in this parable had the mindset to be a giver, to lay up his treasures in heaven and not on earth, as we are instructed to by Jesus in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, which reads as follows, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. End of quote. True wealth and riches are obtained by building up your treasures in heaven. One line in what is known as the Peace Prayer of St. Francis reads as follows, For it is in giving that we receive. End of quote. The following is a reading of the Peace Prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, 
to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it isn't giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. End of quote. Over the years, I think this phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, has been used just as a way of saying, forget tomorrow. I am just going to drink, eat, and have fun, ignoring all else. However, when we think of the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, we should be reminded that we are not guaranteed tomorrow and should appreciate every moment we have and use our lives to live for Jesus and be a blessing to others. Recent use of the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, most likely started in a French restaurant known as La Mère Catherine, spelled L-A-M-E-R-E-C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, having the English translation of Mother Catherine, with this restaurant founded in the year 1793 in Paris, France. Two of the things this restaurant, La Mère Catherine, is noted for is number one, popularizing the phrase, eat, drink, and be merry, and number two, where the modern day meaning of bistro comes from. In the year 1793 or the year 1794, George's Jacques Dalton, spelled G-E-O-R-G-E-S, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S-D-A-N-T-O-N, a leader during the French Revolution, a prominent defender of the republic spirit and popular liberties, scratched into the walls of the Le Mire Catherine restaurant in Paris the words eat, drink, and be merry. The phrase eat, drink, and be merry is also found in Dante's Inferno, completed in the year 1321. But the phrase actually first originated in the Bible. As for the origination of the modern word bistro, on March 30, in the year 1814, a group of Russian soldiers, while in the restaurant, asked for drinks in Russian, with bistro being the Russian word for drinks. From that day on, the word bistro became synonymous with a small restaurant selling affordable meals and drinks, customarily slow-cooked home-style food like stews and casseroles. 
In this podcast episode, I will attempt to share the fact that food connects all mankind in many ways, as we all need food to survive and help you realize that happiness will grow when food and drink is appreciated and properly utilized during our everyday lives. Several ingredients of being happy are used when you become involved in the food supply chain, all the way from growing and producing food, preparing food, and lastly, consuming food. Happiness ingredients include, but are not limited to, meaningful relationships and working toward worthy goals. No man is an island. We all need others. If we take it back to the very beginning, God created the world. And without a father and mother, we would not have even been born. Studies have shown that one of the greatest reasons for happiness is in developing social relationships. Another cause for happiness is working toward worthy goals. If you have been listening to my podcast, you have heard me say many times, the fun is in the journey. One of life's journeys is the journey required for food to go from farm to table. Being involved as much as possible in that journey of food from farm to table will reap benefits of being part of one of the most important things all people need, and that is food. And important also are the relationships that are made with one's connection with food all the way from farm to table. It is very difficult to put into words the warm, satisfying feeling that comes from having a relaxing meal and conversation with friends, family, and many times even strangers. So I will help to convey this feeling sharing several quotes. I do not know who to contribute this quote to, but the following quote comes close to explaining man's relationship with food. Food is the ingredient that binds us together. End of quote. A quote by author Elizabeth Camden in her book entitled Until the Dawn reads as follows. Preparing and serving food had always been a joy, for it made her appreciate the abundance of the world. End of quote. And a quote by Barbara Coloroso, spelled C-O-L-O-R-O-S-O. An author and speaker reads as follows. There is something profoundly satisfying 
about sharing a meal. Eating together, breaking bread together, is one of the oldest and most fundamentally unifying of human experiences. End of quote. Unfortunately, more and more people are dining outside the home. A quote from the Washington Post reads as follows. Between the mid-1960s and late 2000s, low-income households went from eating at home 95% of the time to only 72% of the time. Middle-income households went from eating at home 92% of the time to 69% of the time. And high-income households went from eating at home 88% of the time to only 65% of the time. End of quote. In the year 2016, there were over 1 million eating establishments in the United States, taking in about $782 billion, which totaled about 4% of our gross national product. This disconnect from families preparing and sharing less meals together is not a good occurrence. A quote of the summary of a March 2017 study by researchers from the University of Washington School of Public Health reads as follows. People who cook at home more often rather than eating out tend to have healthier overall diets without higher food expenses. Lack of time often prevents people from preparing their own nutritious meals. People with larger households and more children were more likely to cook at home. Income and education did not influence who was more likely to eat fast food. End of quote. Does the sharing of family mealtime together have benefits? Research has determined that a family sharing meals together is beneficial in many ways, including lower incidence of substance abuse, depression, teen pregnancy, plus having a higher incidence of self-esteem and higher grades. Dinner conversations have been found to develop a stronger vocabulary than reading. And stories shared at the family meal helps children to more quickly overcome difficulties. Consistent family meals together lessens chances of obesity and eating disorders in adolescents and children. With people leading such busy lives, much less time is spent with their children. As a way of making up time to be with their children, parents might try and spend what they call quality time with their children. 
The best choice is to spend as much time as you can with your children. A child might have a question to ask, but that question is only thought of by your child after spending an extended time with you, even when doing something that might seem trivial to you, like taking a walk or having a conversation over a family meal. Children should be encouraged to help with family meals, even at a young age under watchful adult supervision. When teaching children to cook and help out at mealtime, you must consider if at their stage of development do they have what it takes physically and mentally for the task. And you need to protect them from the possible dangers of cooking, such as getting burned or cutting themselves with a sharp object. As a child gets older, they will be able to do more to help at mealtime. Having benefited from being taught cooking skills from a young age, teaching a child to cook takes a lot of patience. It may be easier and faster to just do all the cooking yourself rather than involving a child to help. However, just know, by teaching a child to cook, you will be offering them a lifetime of opportunity to eat healthy, nutritious food, build self-esteem and confidence, and someday be able to cook for family and friends, and have the opportunity to teach other children to cook. So, be patient. Your investment in teaching a child to cook will pay big dividends, not only in the enrichment of that child's life, but also in your life. It is important to teach a child to cook because if a child cooks when a child, then they can cook as an adult. Children of the ages two to three years old can help out by doing kitchen tasks such as stirring cool liquids, mashed potatoes, help set the table, etc. Children of the ages four to five years old can set the table, put away pots, pans, etc. that will not break, help set the table, etc. Once children reach the ages of six to seven years of age, they will have more dexterity and be able to do such things under adult supervision as peeling, slicing, and scooping fruits and vegetables with safe kitchen utensils, opening cans and draining excess liquid from cans, stirring liquids, setting the table, cleaning off the table after a meal, etc. Children from ages 8 to 9 years of age 
can really begin to get more involved. At this age, they can read and follow along with a recipe under adult supervision. And if an adult thinks they have the skill and coordination, they can begin to work with hot liquids and a stove. Children can begin washing and breaking down vegetables, such as green beans, lettuce, and celery, as well as begin to learn to make sandwiches, chopping many foods with a small paring knife, all while under adult supervision. At ages 10 to 12 years of age, if having had experience in earlier years, these children can usually work independently in the kitchen. At a young age, an adult may still have to keep a watchful eye on their cooking for their safety and to make sure that food is being prepared safely. At this age, children can measure, compute cooking times, and compute amount of ingredients needed for different portions. Children by this age can usually be able to do such things as cook eggs, flip pancakes, and much more. Cooking as a family can provide everyone confidence, self-esteem, allow the family to feel they are a team, all working together for a common goal. Allow the family to experience the cooking of many different cultural foods around the world. Provide a relaxing time for the family to be together to experience wonderful laughter and conversation, while at the same time being sure all the family has a healthy, nutritious meal. Mealtime was mentioned frequently in the Bible. Focus should also be on cooking healthy, nutritious foods. In the Bible, in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verses 3 through 16, illustrates how important it is, both spiritually and physically, to eat wholesome foods. While Daniel was serving in King Nebuchadnezzar's court, Daniel and his friends were provided rich food that included meat and wine. However, Daniel did not want to defile himself with these foods and ask and was granted permission for him and his three friends to eat their choice of a diet, and that was a vegetable diet for 10 days. After 10 days of eating the vegetable diet, it was found that Daniel and his three friends that ate vegetables rather than the king's royal diet were healthier than other people that ate the king's royal diet. After 10 days, they were permitted to continue eating their choice of the vegetable diet rather than the king's royal 
diet. In the Lord's Prayer in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread. End of quote. In the Bible and book of John, chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. End of quote. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 31, the Apostle Paul said, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. End of quote. Imagine the Last Supper in the Bible of all the twelve disciples having one last meal with Jesus. The story of the Last Supper on the night before Christ's crucifixion can be found in four books of the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, chapters 26, verses 17 through 29. In the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 12 through 25. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 7 through 38. And in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. Another mealtime story in the Bible is when Jesus, after his resurrection from the grave, had a meal of fish over a fire of coals and also had bread for the disciples when they came on shore after fishing in the Sea of Galilee. You can find the story in the Bible in the book of John, chapter 21. This is such a fascinating story. When Jesus appeared at the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection from the grave, telling how Jesus had a hot meal of fish laid over a fire of coals and also had bread for his disciples when they came ashore, that I would like for you to hear this story from the Bible in the book of John, verses 1 through 12, which reads as follows. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples, Simon Peter, saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus 
saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring other fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh, and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples after that he was risen from the dead. End of quote. This story of how Jesus had fish and bread prepared for his disciples once they came ashore reinforces in me the importance of having fellowship over food. There were seven disciples that included the disciple Peter that were fishing. All night they had fished without catching one fish. After following the direction of Jesus, when Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 6, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. End of quote. After casting the net, on the right side of the ship, as Jesus directed, they caught 153 fish. And even with the net so heavy, the net did not break. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even today, if we will simply follow the directions of Jesus, Our lives will be blessed by God's kindness toward his children. Also, notice how Jesus inquired if they were hungry. In the book of John, chapter 21, verses 4 to 6, Jesus said, Children, have ye any meat? End of quote. 
And they answered, No. Then, in the book of John, chapter 21, verse 6, Jesus said, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. End of quote. Amazing, too, not only did Jesus direct them how to acquire much food in the way of fish, but also once the disciples came ashore where Jesus was, there was a fire of hot coals with fish laid upon it, and also there was bread. This is only one of the many examples in the Bible showing the importance food has in our lives. During the 40-year journey in the wilderness, the Israelites were reminded of God's direction, of how God provided food for them to eat during their journey in the desert. The following scripture is found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, which reads as follows, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. End of quote. And many other stories of food, such as the wedding feast, found in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and where Jesus fed the 5,000, found in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Food is equated with celebrating. A mealtime together is like a celebration of life. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 23 through 24, the word for Mary, spelled M-E-R-R-Y, in the King James Version of the Bible, reads as the word celebrate. The following is verses 23 and 24 in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 23 through 24, as a portion of the parable of the prodigal son as told by Jesus. And bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. End of quote. From farm to table, the entire process can be a celebration. Consider each meal a celebration. Time to celebrate 
being together and celebrate being blessed to have food and celebrate all the bountiful blessings God has provided. Do not get hung up on the do's and don'ts of what is right and wrong in what we should eat. Just use common sense. If you overly obsess over the right and wrong things to eat, eating will become more of a burden than it was ever intended to be. If you become emphatic, for example, you must become a vegetarian, or you must eat vegan, or certain foods should never be a part of your diet. You may develop an attitude that there are clear, specific, right and wrong ways to eat. Be open to try new foods. Be open to experience and try different foods enjoyed and eaten by many different cultures around the world. If you ever dreamed of living somewhere in the world and enjoying their authentic cuisine, then try cooking their authentic foods. Experiencing authentic foods from other cultures is almost the next best thing to living there. Have you ever heard of the term peasant foods? Peasant foods are foods evolving over hundreds and perhaps thousands of years in a particular culture using readily available and inexpensive ingredients, often requiring that the food be prepared and seasoned a certain way for the food to be more palatable. Peasant foods have withstood the test of time in keeping vast groups of people in a specific culture well-fed and healthy. Take, for example, how rice has become the staple food of the world for more than one-half of the world's current population of 7.8 billion people, expected to be 10 billion people by the end of this century. In places like Africa and Asia, especially in India, legumes like beans, lentils, and chickpeas are a staple food. Rice and beans, along with fruits and vegetables, make for a very affordable diet. When you mix rice and beans together, it forms a complete protein with the essential amino acids that are provided by meat, poultry, fish, and dairy. In the Latino and Caribbean cultures and much of South America, beans and rice are part of their diet, with the beans providing about 12 grams of fiber per cup. 25 grams of fiber is the daily recommended amount of fiber. Just to illustrate how much fiber is in beans, if you had a cup of chicken 
with rice, you only get about one gram of fiber from the chicken, and you get about 12 grams of fiber from the beans. And don't be so concerned about eating rice and beans together in the same meal. If you consume rice and beans along with a variety of foods throughout the day, your body will assimilate all those amino acids together for you. If you enjoy Latino, Caribbean, and South American foods, I have just provided you a healthy excuse to add beans and rice to your menu. It is interesting to know that Mexico has over 70 varieties of beans. And another interesting fact is that Mexican chefs do not mix beans together when cooking, but just cook with one variety of bean in each separate dish. Different regions and different recipes call for different beans. I suggest you just use the bean recommended in the particular recipe you are using. Several years ago, I watched a video entitled Living on One Dollar, produced in the year 2013, where four young men about the age of 20 years old set out for Guatemala, a country in Central America bordered by Mexico, Belize, the Caribbean, Honduras, El Salvador, and the Pacific Ocean on a quest to see if they could live each for one dollar per day. What I found interesting is that their diet of beans, etc., left them feeling fatigued. A neighboring Guatemalan family befriended them and taught them how to learn to eat more substantial foods and introduced them to using lard in their food. Once they began to use lard in the cooking of their beans, they found their strength returning. We all need fat in our diet. Lard was mainly frowned upon after the hydrogenated oils, Crisco and Parquet, were introduced as a replacement to lard around the year 1912. As time moved on, hydrogenated oils like Crisco and Parquet were found to be worse for you than non-hydrogenated oils such as lard. Much like butter is now believed to be better for you than margarine. In your cooking, avoid hydrogenated oils and use healthy oils such as extra virgin olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, etc. I was fascinated by these four men's discovery in this movie that the use of 
lard in their diet was the missing ingredient that was causing their fatigue due to the lack of fat in their diet. I was also encouraged to see how this Guatemalan family, having so little to give, gave so much love, instruction, and encouragement to these four American men, each trying to live on one dollar a day by teaching them healthy ways to eat, as well as making them feel they were a welcomed part of their family. Never let your ideas of what is wrong and right to eat divide your relationship with others. Do not judge others because of what they eat. As you learn more about the right and wrong ways of cooking, keep in mind that if someone eats differently than you think is best, that does not make that person right or wrong. Perhaps a wrong diet, but that person is neither right or wrong due to their diet. Never let one's choice of food separate or discourage relationships. The Apostle Paul in the Bible, in the book of Romans, chapter 14, verse 3, said, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. End of quote. When the Apostle Paul said these words, there were two groups of Christians, one group that did not eat meat and the other group that did eat meat. The group that ate meat realized they were free to eat meat as Christ had freed them from the requirements of the law. The Apostle Paul is forbidding each group, whether it be the ones that do not eat meat or the ones that do eat meat, not to pass judgment on each other for their choice whether or not to eat meat. This should also be our position in that we do not judge others for what they eat, but should all come together in Christian love regardless of a person's chosen diet. So whether vegan, vegetarian, meat eater, or any of the numerous other diets constantly being devised, we are not to be hypocrites and judge others because of their chosen diet, but regardless of one's chosen diet, love them with Christian love and let us all, as much as possible, live together in Christian unity as we are instructed to do in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, which reads as follows. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. End of quote. Part of being happy in life is to enjoy differences. Just because something is different than the way you do it or expect it to be done does not necessarily make that difference wrong or right. If you will take on the mindset to enjoy the difference in all the various foods from all over the world, you will find yourself in a better place, not only accepting and enjoying different foods, but having a greater love and appreciation for the many varying cultures of people living on our wonderful planet, spaceship, Earth. The phrase, you are what you eat, originated from what the French author Anthem Brilliant Savarin spelled A-N-T-H-E-L-M-E B-R-I-L-L-A-T hyphen S-A-V-A-R-I-N when he wrote in his book Physiology of Taste published in the year 1812 the words Tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are. End of quote. You might not totally be what you eat, but your body will surely reflect what you eat. There are many books and medicinal regimens using food as medicine. When someone is provided a diet to overcome some physical problem, That diet is most likely how they should have been eating all along. There are many great restaurants serving great food. However, there are many restaurants that take many shortcuts. Restaurants are a business. They are to make money, with the rare exception of a restaurant existing with the goal to serve the best, healthiest, food possible, using the freshest organic ingredients, not using additives like MSG or over-seasoning with salt, not using aluminum or non-stick cookware, etc. Money, or perhaps lack of knowledge, how cooking using aluminum is not good for you, is Partially the reason so many restaurants use aluminum cookware and not stainless steel cookware. Convenience and perhaps money savings is the reason for using canned food rather than fresh ingredients. Also, time is money. A restaurant's kitchen can get quite chaotic, providing opportunities for cross-contamination, or even getting 
non-food items in your food, accidentally serving out-of-date food, food sitting out for hours, overuse of a microwave, foods seldom steamed in order to retain nutrients, etc. Once you discover the taste and wholesomeness of a simple home-cooked meal compared to most restaurant food, it will be very hard to prefer eating in a restaurant as opposed to preparing a meal at home using only the freshest quality of ingredients in the right proportions prepared the right way. You will enjoy cooking simple traditional meals from all around the world. Once you begin your meal preparation adventure, you will learn what fruits and vegetables are available for particular seasons. Learn the advantages of choosing organic and non-GMO foods. Use only healthy ingredients. Use stainless steel cookware and not use aluminum cookware or cookware with dangerous non-stick coatings like Teflon. No longer microwave your food. Learn easy techniques to steam your food to preserve nutrients, etc. You will no longer be dependent on processed foods loaded with excess salt, sugar, and solid fats, or have to eat food prepared in a restaurant. A goal should be to eat your food as close to the original condition of the food as possible. A simple example of this would be that it is better to eat just a cooked potato rather than eating potato chips or french fries fried in oil. Traditional diets from all the many cultures around the world have evolved over many generations to provide us simple, healthy food. You will find it a joy to seek out traditional food recipes from the many cultures all over the world that have been handed down from many generations of cooks. I find eating traditional foods from different countries and regions of the world makes me feel part of and like I belong to a larger world community. Also, be sure to try cooking outdoors. Cooking outdoors forces you to cook more simply with less kitchen conveniences, allowing you to learn how to cook simply everywhere you go, both indoors and outdoors. Cooking outdoors will open the door to family picnics, and you will be able to have extended travel while still cooking your own meals. There is something very 
special about cooking outdoors. It is interesting to see the simplicity, yet complete and healthy way a full-time traveler cooks and prepares their meals. Striving to make your cooking a simple process is one way you can enjoy cooking even more as a way of expressing the wonderful sense of wholeness you feel when cooking outdoors. I will read the following quote by the author Fennel Hudson from his book entitled Fine Things, Fennel's Journal, number eight. Cooking and eating food outdoors makes it taste infinitely better than the same meal prepared and consumed indoors. End of quote. My intent with this podcast episode is to hopefully convince you how important it is to take time to prepare wholesome, nutritious, healthy food and make it an important part of your life to fellowship over a meal with family, friends, and yes, even strangers to experience wonderful laughter, conversation, and last but not least, enjoy the food. Also, how important it is for you to teach your children to cook so they will be able to provide good food for themselves and their family. Learning to cook for yourself and together as a family is like everything else in life. It takes time, and it takes starting by taking that first action step of whatever is necessary to end up enjoying meaningful mealtime relationships with family and friends. If you are not sure where to start, start with a cookbook. Start with someone you know that is a good cook to teach you. Start by looking at cooking videos on YouTube. Start by getting the kitchen tools and accessories that you need. Just start. And someday, after a good, relaxing meal, conversation, laughter, and fellowship with friends and family, with a smile still on your face, you will know. Cooking was worth learning and worth doing. That's all for now. Please visit our website, opportuno.org. That's spelled O-P-O-R-T-U-N-O dot O-R-G. Thank you.